What is going on, everybody? This is your guy, Arthur Stewart, here. And um, my first podcast. It just happened um, kind of, it was an impromptu thing. You know, we had our first time home by our uh, breakfast this past Saturday. Uh, it was great. Enjoyed it. You know, a lot of great questions, a lot of great conversations that were had. And um, me and, and some of the guys in the office decided that, hey, we wanted to have a post-podcast-like conversation. And voila, the podcast was born. And I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. And I just didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. And I just think that I kind of overanalyzed it. You know, cause I just didn't want it to be just a real estate podcast or just anything in particular. I want to have fun with it. I want it to be something that, you know, I don't feel boxed in by and, and something that's entertaining and, 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 and uh, something that you the people could enjoy. And uh, so, yeah, this is the, this is the first episode. Um, you know, I'm still trying to figure out exactly like what it's going to be, but ultimately I think it's just going to be. Um, you know, we're going to talk real estate, we're going to talk marketing, we're going to talk social media, we're going to talk uh, pop culture, you know, we're going to talk current events, you know, it, it should be fun, man. But lo- what I will say about it is that uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. That's the most important thing. And we're going to learn. I'm going to learn from the people that I talk to on every episode. So anyway, uh, this was an episode I recorded with my colleague and, and, and one of my, my good friends, Kyle uh, Noah, uh, who's a, a mortgage lender at Homeside Financial, uh, Chris Thoreau from um, State Farm, and of course, Chris Mann from um, Chris McKimney and Jordan. Um, sorry, I butchered that. Um, please uh, don't hold that against me. I'm really good for butchering a name or two. Um, but with all that being said, I hope you all enjoy the episode. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are and comments. And I look forward to, to doing this, man. Um, yeah, this this was more informative. It's just it's about the home buying process all the way through from beginning to end. All that being said, I'm going to stop rambling and let's get to it. My name is Arthur Stewart, and I am your neighborhood um, realtor. I sounded like I, I questioned that. I am your neighborhood uh, realtor. Uh, thanks for joining us here. This is actually uh, where we just wrapped up an amazing first-time homebuyer seminar. It went great, and we are just kind of circling back around. I got the team with me. Now uh, We're just... Uh, talking through the home buyer process um, in, in, in podcast form so we can get all up in your ear holes about buying a home. Uh, sitting across from me, I have Noah. Noah from Homeside, what's going on, sir? I'm happy to be here, man. Happy man, to be part of this. Man, glad, glad to have you. You know, I have my guy, you know, my fellow colleague, fellow realtor, Kyle. Kyle's in the building. Kyle, say hello to the people. How's everybody doing out there today? All right. All right. And then over to my right, we have my favorite attorney. Um, he serves people in the triangle with all their real estate needs, Chris Mann. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Arthur Mann. Nice to see you. All right. Now we have, now we all need insurance, or if you have a mortgage anyway, but even if you don't, you should probably have homeowner's insurance anyway. Um, we have Chris Thorough from State Farm. Um, he's actually kind of far, but, you know, like Chris. A good, like a good neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Um, Shout-outs to, to Chris. Yeah, so anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. So pretty much what we're doing here today is we want to uh, help demystify the home buying process. Um, one of the main reasons why I got into real estate to begin with 
was the fact that I used to search for how to buy a home a few years ago, about five years ago, I was looking at the process of what goes into buying a home. Ton of information on the internet, none of it helpful. Um, very uh, empty, empty. Left me um, wanting for more, kind of like eating a Hot Pocket. I, I, I don't know, do you guys know, know the feeling that I'm talking about? Do you, do you um, when was the last time many of you had a Hot Pocket? Uh, 1995, June 5th, I believe. June 5th? Yeah, June 5th, 1995. Now, do you remember if it filled you up or not? Uh, it was a ham and cheese, and I believe it did at that point. It did? Yeah. It okay. Did. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, elementary school? Okay. Oh, middle oh, school, elementary, something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the uh, get home from school after snap. It was. Well, I'll tell you, um, in my poor uh, college days, when I... Um, had to scrap together my money from, from working work study. I uh, used to, long story short, the Hot Pockets never filled me up and um, left me wanting for more. So that's what kind of encouraged me to get into real estate to begin with, which is to fill that need, essentially. Working through the top where, like, thinking about maybe I might buy to, like, okay, like, I think I'm in a position to buy what's next. And going from there, figuring out, the, the process of getting financing and looking at homes and things to consider and contracts and all the stuff that goes along with that. It's not as complicated as it seems. Um, the closing process, we're going to go through all that. So with that being said, let's begin. Um, should I buy a rent? Uh, you know, I see a lot of... Uh, hashtag agenda uh, content out there where realtors talk about how buying is better than renting. And that is not always necessarily the case. Um, I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that. I mean, as far as, you know, there, there's some circumstances where you might want to, whether you're moving into the area, want to get more acclimated with, with your surroundings or you know, as far as your finances are concerned, maybe cleaning up your credit a little bit, maybe saving some money, you know, maybe you might not be ready right now, but you could be ready six months to a year. But um, the best thing you can do is um, be clear about where you are, where you want to be, and the steps to get there. So with that being said, man, Noah, let me, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on a, a person like this where they're thinking about buying, but they're not sure that they're ready? They're kind of scared to get rejected and things like that. Like, what, what, what are your general thoughts? What would you give this person insight? Well, I think there's certain jobs and certain life styles and certain points in your life that, yes, renting does make a lot more sense. Sure. If you have a very transient job, it may not make sense for you to try to put your roots down anywhere. Sure. Um, if you think that you may be expanding your family sometime in the next you know, six months to a year, sure. it probably doesn't make sense to buy a house that's only big enough for your current family size. So there's definitely some reasons to, to continue to rent, but I think there's a lot of reasons to, to buy. Um, buying, you are putting money into your own pocket. Sure. Um, and I think people get scared about the buying process because of the no factor. Sure. Um, and at HomeSide, what we try to do is we try to have an open conversation where it's not necessarily that we're the big bad bank where we're going to tell you no, mm. and that's it. We're not going to tell you how to get there. If it is a no at this time, we're going to talk with you about steps and things you can do to eventually turn that into a yes. Sure. And it's not a not a scary process. It's we're going to ask a handful of questions. We're going to get some information from you, have an open conversation, mm -hmm. and hopefully when it's all said and done, we're going to give you a, a game plan for how to get into a new home, be it in the short term or the long term. I got you. I got you. Now, as far as uh, I feel, what is a situation where someone felt like in the beginning they weren't able mm -hmm. to buy a home? And it turned out that they were way closer than they were. Like, like, can, can you give us a scenario of what that could look like? Yeah, a lot of people come to us and they say, well, no, my credit's really not all that good. And that's a relative term. Yeah, if you have a six, 
50 credit score, you're, uh, you may not be great credit, but your credit's good enough to make it work. Sure. Uh, and relative to somebody with an 800 credit score, yeah, your credit's not that great. But we're looking at really anything from about 620 and up. We can go a little bit lower in certain situations. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also helped a lot of people who are in the 500 credit score range to get their scores up in a matter of a few months to where they are able to buy. And a lot of people think, oh my gosh, you know, I've got a 580 credit score, I've got a 550 credit score, there's no way I'm gonna be able to qualify. Sure. We can work with you and get your scores up to where maybe six months down the road, home buying is a possibility. Sure. Well, myself included, a lot of other people, um, student loans, it's a real thing. Uh, yeah. Tell me, uh, like what? For for someone that uh, that they're paying, they they maybe have some stuff in forbearance, mm -hmm. you know, but debt to income, kind of high. Yeah, so there's certain programs that uh, are more focused on your debt to income ratio than others. Mm -hmm. All programs do look at that. Sure. But uh, if you have a little bit higher debt to income ratio, and just for those that aren't aware, debt to income is basically what percentage of your gross income is going towards your monthly debts that show up on your credit report mm -hmm. and your new mortgage payment combined. So generally speaking, uh, on a conventional loan, we need to stay below 49%. Mm -hmm. um, certain situations, it may be a little bit lower than that, but mm -hmm. roughly 49%. On an FHA loan, we can go up to 55% in certain situations. Mm -hmm. So it just really depends on which program we're looking at, where we may be able to draw that line. And we'll certainly talk with you about it and say, hey, you've got this one car loan that has a $300 per month payment. Mm. Is there any way that you could pay that off? Or you've got a credit card that has a really low balance but has a high monthly payment. Right. And that monthly payment is impacting you. Could you throw a couple hundred dollars towards that to pay that down or to pay it off got to you. get that debt off of your debt to income ratio? Sure. And those open conversations and strategic thinking are really important to helping people get into a house. Got you, got you, got you. That, 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 that's great information there. You know, so uh, I've actually was talking to a uh, classmate of mine, right? And they're um, recently married, recently married. Uh, but Mazel tov. Mazel tov, indeed, yeah. indeed. And, uh, jump the broom, jump the broom. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they just, they're kind of concerned, like, like they make enough money. Um, the wife's credit score is higher, mm -hmm. but her income is lower. Mm. The husband's income is higher, credit is lower. Okay. What is a situation, like, how, how would you advise somebody in a situation like that um, going forward? Well, we'd start off by seeing, is there any way that we can increase the husband's who has the lower credit score score to mm. where it makes a little bit better financial sense for him to be on the loan. And also it may get them a better rate, better loan terms. Sure. So that's where we'll start. If it looks like that's not a possibility, we may consider taking one of the individuals off the loan. Sure. Sometimes it's one individual has a ton of debt and mm. that's impacting the loan negatively versus the other one has no debt. Right. So it may make sense to get the house that they want to take that individual off. Gotcha. So we'll play around with the numbers, see if it makes sense to have one person on, one person off. Right. If it makes sense to increase their credit scores, is there something that we can do to pay down some debts? What are some different scenarios that we can go through to make this work? Got you. So, so what you're saying is, like, don't fret. We, we can find a game plan that works around you and your situation, essentially. Exactly. And we're going to have a very honest, open conversation about that. I have had to tell clients before that their expectations are just not possible because what they're looking for, based on their income and their debts, unless they have a significant change in lifestyle, mm. be it a new job that's paying more or mm. significantly paying down their debts, right. that it's just not going to be what they're looking for. But we can find you something that may work. Right. It may not be the ideal situation for you. Mm. It's not your dream home right, right now, but at least it, we can get you out of renting where you're paying somebody else's mortgage and paying your own mortgage. Right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that... Um you can't go and buy a $600,000 house 
when you only make $40,000, essentially, is what you're getting at. That's correct. One of the things that, um, thankfully, I don't see it often, but occasionally I do see people who are making, let's say, $30,000 a year, yep. and they have $100,000 in debt mm. just from credit cards, sure. car payments, things like that. Sure. I mean, if you're making $30,000 a year, I don't think that you should have a $800 per month car payment unless that car is necessary for your job. Mm. You, know, you don't need to be driving around in a brand new Mercedes-Benz SUV. What? Yeah, I know. I know. Oh. As nice as that car is, and you know, good for you for having great taste, but it's not going to make a whole lot of financial sense in that situation. So, um, in those situations we do have to have tough conversations now i mean but you clearly haven't experienced the the, the seat warming capabilities of this mercedes benz i, I know though. well and <laughs> you get up and go back i mean when you're when you're trying to merge into traffic having that v6 engine is sure important 100 yeah. percent, <laughs> absolutely 100 yeah. percent. but you're saying essentially if your goal is to buy a home you should probably hold off on the Mercedes. I would suggest that unless you are well-to-do at that point. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Keep, keep, your, keep your finances within reason. Right. I think that common sense prevails when it comes to finances. Sure. And don't overstretch yourself. Mm. Mm. Don't, uh, fit, fit your uh, jacket according to your size. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to my mom. Uh, if she's listening to this, she probably um, is very disappointed in me because I butchered that saying... Uh, very, very badly, but um, you know it, it, it is what it is, and and she, but she knows I'm good for that. So, yeah. Well, Mother's Day is right around the corner, so you can make it up to her then. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's definitely. The, uh, anyway, um, enough about my mom. Shouts to Mom Dukes. Uh, so, one thing that I definitely want to talk about, and, and guys, feel free to chime in if you want. Um, the benefits of home ownership. Um, I mean. You know, you, you read blogs about it, and, you know, again, like, it's kind of high level, kind of a lot of fluff, but let's, let's really talk about, like, the true benefits to owning a, a home. What are, what are some things that, that, that come to mind for um, someone who is in the position to possibly buy, but they don't really know the, the value in doing so? Well, I think just eventually that... Um it, well, in the short term, that you're you're putting money back into something that you're going to own, as opposed to renting and putting that money into somebody else's pocket. That's a fact. And uh, your equity. Yep. Um, especially in this area, um, home values are only going to continue to increase. Sure. Um, at least as far as I can see. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be making money off of that, and eventually, um, you'll have it paid off, and you'll actually own it, and you know won't be having that thousand dollar a month payment anymore sure um yeah all real things all all um, real things 100 percent. one of the things that i've said to people to help them understand how that equity benefits them is particularly if they've been renting for a long time they've sure gone from one apartment to another or you know one rental house to another is that every time they move out of that house mm -hmm. they move out of that house with nothing in their pocket mm -hmm. they go to that next place with nothing in their pocket mm -hmm. and start paying rent somewhere else uh, and if you own your house and you move, you move to that next place with a check in your pocket because you have sold that house mm. and paid off the mortgage if you still had a mortgage. Mm -hmm. um, but all those excess funds, all that equity is a check in your pocket and you can walk into the next house with a check for twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars that you can't get if you continue to rent every single year. Absolutely. I've always also told people that owning a home can be a great way to build generational wealth. If you own a home and then you pass away, but you have $50,000 built up in equity, mm -hmm. your kids can either take over the house mm. or B, they get the $50,000 equity that you built up. And that's going to help them to buy a house and get them out of renting. So sure. long-term planning for your children, your children's children, it may have a really positive impact. You just owning a home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, Chris knows this to be true. Uh, like I, I used to work, and some of you all know this as well, I worked in property management for a while, and um, I can tell you the only thing you get to walk away with from an apartment complex, which it kind of feels good because you weren't really expecting it, is the security deposit that you paid when you moved in. I, I'm going to stop you there. Sure. Because I have a pin 
from the apartment complex I lived at mm. back in college is great pen. So I walked away with a pen. A pen. Yeah, a pen. Yeah. Now, now did, did it write well? Oh, it was fantastic. Okay. It was okay. fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I, I came away with, with more than just my security deposit back. Okay. 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 Well, I could tell you, um, shout outs to Waterford. Uh, I, oh, I didn't mean to call you out by name, but maybe I did. Um, I did not get my security deposit back because I did not clean the pans in the stove. So, um, yeah, shout out, shout outs to them. Shout outs to them. So I didn't even get that back. Um, so I really didn't get anything um, of value from, from renting there for over a year and a half. Oh, and the wine stain, really small, really small. Um, not to be too petty, not to be too petty, not petty at all, petty at all. Moving forward, oh, that's a that's a that's a that's a spot there. That that that. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> consistency, and this is another thing. Um, so when it comes to renting, the rent typically goes up anywhere between one to three percent every year. So if you're renting an apartment right now for $1,100, let's say, you're there, you decide you're in a renew, and it's going to go up typically, versus paying a mortgage where you can pay the same amount over a 30-year period and still be in the same place. So it's a consistent payment, essentially. You know, um, you don't have to really worry about anything going up unless you have some type of this jumbo loan or just adjustable rate type yeah, of thing. Yeah, you can have adjustable rates that may increase as time goes on. Sure. You're going to have a little bit of fluctuation in your payment with the taxes and insurance. Sure. If you, if you go to a more expensive insurance company or your insurance just increases as it may over time. Mm-hmm. And naturally, the taxes are going to fluctuate. Some years they go up, some years they do go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, they are going to go up over time. Right. But the amount that it's going to go up pales in comparison to the percentage increase that rents are going up sure. every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's a good point there, Noah. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you one thing that I, I, mean, I don't know about, about you all, but I am uh, very particular about things that I, the way I like them, right? And when you're in your apartment, I mean, you, you can, I guess you can paint the walls, right? I mean, apartments say that's an option, but I don't know, like, like do you all usually, like, is that what you, because you all rented, like, do, do you typically do that? Nope. You know, um, do you usually? No, I've never painted an apartment. you never painted an apartment? No, I've never painted an apartment. That seems like a lot of work for somebody else's place. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. And, and if you're like me, who, is not the greatest painter in the world. I could I, I could do a lot of things, but but painting is not necessarily um, my t- uh, strong suit. Yes, my strong suit. Thank you. <laughs> I was looking for a word. Strong suit works. Um, so I got charged because I, I painted my wall, uh, but you have to paint it back to the way that it was. And if sure, anyway, so but when when you buy a home, you can do exactly what you want to do with it. You can have all kind of home projects. Um, shout out to HGTV. Um, it it kind of opens up all the possibilities for the different projects you can do, whether it be like a fire pit in the backyard or, you know, uh, installing. I mean, you, you can, I guess you can install a TV on the wall in your apartment, but as far as like actually being able to put wires there, I guess there is... Um, some restrictions depending on on the community that you're in, you know, you 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 might have calls and you don't burn your apartment down, which, you know, I've experienced. I've seen that happen a few times. Shout out to Chris Thoreau's for renters insurance. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then this, and uh, you catch fire, it comes out of your own pocket. And you're held liable personally. Anyway, that's neither, that's that's tangent. Definitely wasn't State Farm. Yeah, no. Definitely wasn't State Farm. Definitely, I, yeah. I, I, I can, I can confirm. Sure Have we given was... a shout out to Chris Thoreau's with State Farm yet? We did. Okay, we did. We did. Okay. okay. Chris, what up, man? Hey, how's it going? Man. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> you know, just uh, getting used to this podcast thing, you know. Um, yeah, this, 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 this chair is you know, getting a little bit more comfortable. 
I wish people could see your salmon shirt today and how, how nice that looks like. That's pink, man. This is salmon. <laughs> this, this is true pink. No, no this is true pink. Coral. This is Coral. true. I, I have, I have, no, I have salmon now. I do have salmon. I have salmon. Yeah. You know, in the um, fridge or your closet? Mm, I did have some in my <laughs> fridge recently. Okay. But I'm really bad about finishing food. Oh. So I had like two left in there that went bad. So mm. had to throw it out. That's mm. unfortunate. I had to throw it out there for yeah. sure. But uh, before I got carried away in, on a tangent, I'll probably edit a lot of that stuff out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, is the fact that you can do what you want to your house however you, you, you envision. So you can paint walls, you can switch out faucets, because I don't know about you all, but a lot of the apartments that I've been in have had really cheap fixtures, and they claim to be nickel brush or whatever it is. They get their, their marketing people to pretty up the fixtures there, but uh, they, they typically shower heads. 100%. You know the, the the plastic ones that you have to twist, and and it's not the greatest stream. It's supposed to be a water mm. conserver, but uh, it looks pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I actually went and bought my own shower head that I had to install myself, and I had to take it out when I moved. So, anyway, benefits of home ownership there. Let's see. Now, when it comes to looking for a home, I don't know about you all, but I I. I kind of look at house hunting like dating, right? Like where, you know, you can go on dates and it could be okay, you know, um, a little bit of humor here or there, um, a little dry, a little dry, but, you know, not too good, not too bad. Um, That's kind of like what the home search process is. But as far as being clear about what you want in a partner, just like what you want in a house, and understanding that you're not going to get everything, um, you know that that's what they call a unicorn. And if you find it, trap it, lock it down, put a ring on it. Put a ring on it, 100%. Yep. Uh, but typically, like, let me ask you this, Kyle. Um, what do you think is a realistic um, way of thinking about your needs versus your wants when searching for a home? What are your thoughts there? Uh, well, somebody uh, in our firm, uh, Kyle Williams, actually, mm. has the um, 80-10-10 rule, okay. that he calls it. So uh, if a home has 80% of what you want, mm. 10% of things that you don't really want or you're not happy with at the time, mm. but you can change them, right? And, and turn that 10% into something that you like, and then ten percent of something that you're you're you know you're not happy with that you know sometimes that might be you know um, backing up to a major road or something like that white countertops yeah well but that's changeable right okay. that's changeable gotcha um, so something like that could be fixed in the future down the line mm-hmm. um, but you know there's other things that that can't and then you always got to look at you know like HOA restrictions and stuff sure. as well too um, you know if you have a boat. And you know the HOA doesn't let you have the boat there. You know, gotta have the boat, man. There's gotta, always gotta have the boat. There's always you know storage facilities for these <laughs> things. You know, sure. Get yourself a marina membership. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I think that uh, that eighty ten ten rule is a uh, a good rule of thumb. Now, um, w- anybody else have any general thoughts there about what, like how to manage your expectations while you're searching for a home? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people get um, this market's really competitive. Right. I think people get upset and frustrated when they may make some offers that that aren't accepted. Right. But unlike relationships, I, I am a firm believer that there is no one house that is perfect for people. That there's probably mm. multiple. In love, you hope to find the one true love, right? Mm. That's great. Uh, <laughs> So, Arthur, to answer your question, sure. Um, I, I think that there's no one true house uh, for people. I think that you can find multiple houses that are going to fit in that 80-10-10 rule for you sure. that will work. Gotcha. And, and 
you know, you can turn a house into something that fits your needs more perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just like with relationships, your love of that house will grow right. over time, sure. especially as you make it your own. Absolutely. Um, so don't get frustrated if the first house you offer doesn't get accepted. And, and don't feel like that was the house for you. Right. There's probably more houses out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, there's someone else that I was talking to as well that was saying that like, if, if you're a couple and you should, each one of you should write down five features about the house that you cannot live without. I would not suggest doing that with your spouse. Mm. <laughs> Mm. We've all seen those episodes of House <laughs> True. <laughs> That's a fact. Oh, I mean, I guess, I guess this could cause uh, a kerfuffle. <coughs> Is that a good word? A kerfuffle? Kerfuffle. Like kerfuffle. We've just dropped kerfuffle in a podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, I wish I had a soundboard where I can... Um, that, that has to happen soon, a soundboard. But uh, yes, I, I, I can definitely see that being a thing where like one person writes down five things, one person writes down five things, and they hash out to combine five things that they can agree to. But to the House Hunter episode, I, I can definitely see, but, but those things have to be ironed out anyway, yeah. right? Yeah, true. You know, um, I, I saw an episode where the husband refused, would really didn't want to HOA. But as far as like the houses that they're finding, they're finding the perfect houses, but they had HOAs. So I guess it's just really a matter of like, what can you live with and what can you live without, essentially. And there's some HOAs that are very, very restrictive, and then there's some that are not restrictive at all. Sure. Um, you know, there's actually a neighborhood right by me that you know there's an HOA and it's it's two hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. But they don't restrict you on anything, really. So you can have a boat. You can have a boat. Now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can put up a ten foot fence if you want. It's gotcha. Any color you want. Any color. Any color. Okay. Paint it purple. Okay. Okay. To, okay. Or to play on the uh, the dating analogy. Sure. Um, I think sometimes you know even dating, like you'll you'll have your list of these are the things that are important. Mm. Girl that I'm going to date. You know? uh, and you'll see people do that all the time. Right. And then you you meet the person they eventually marry. And it's none of those things. Yeah. That's a fact. You, know, you, meet, you meet a person that just does it for you. And you know all those things that you thought were important, you said were important, you found out really, really quickly weren't important. Mm. Uh, and I think it would be the exact same thing. Oh. You can have this list. Oh, it's got to, you know, maybe it has to have a neighborhood pool. And it has to be this. It has to be that. And you don't go look at certain houses because you're like, it doesn't fit with what I want. But then you go look at that one house just because your agent's like, hey, um, Maybe we should go look at this house. And you walk in, you're like, oh, gosh, mm. this is the house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think the lists are good because it's important for your agent to understand what you're really looking for. Uh, but also sometimes you don't always know what you're looking for. Sure. To that point, I think one thing that a lot of people get stuck on is square footage. Mm. And they'll say, I need a house that's 3,000 square feet. Right. Not really knowing how big 3,000 square feet is. Sure. Or how and that's broken up. Absolutely. Right. And, and they eliminate houses based on that without actually going in there and seeing it and, mm-hmm. and seeing how it would work for them. Sure. Um, where a 2,200, 2,400 square foot house might be just fine for them if sure. it's laid out the right way. And, you know. So I guess with that being said is it's not about the square footage. It's about the usage of the space. Yeah. You know, so, so it's not being too restrictive, but having a foundation of what it is that you need. So for example, if you know for sure you need a a room for office and two additional bedrooms, then you know that you need at least a three bedroom home. Like like, like the the, the core factors of what you need. And then as far as like other things, as far as granite countertops or hardwood floors, those things you can add later. So focusing on like, what is, because you can't change the square footage of a house. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you can. You can add on, I guess. But essentially, the house is the house. Right. You know, and, and the things you can add later that you might not like, you might not like you know, the smell or the paint. Th- those are things that you can adjust down the line. Very cool. Now, 
I want to talk about actually putting in an offer, right? You found the right house. You found it. Now, what are some insights that you should put out there to potential buyers when it comes to putting in that offer to purchase? Well, I think the, the main thing is prior to getting there, you got to know what you, you can afford and what's comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. I talked to a lot of people who on paper could afford a $500,000 house, sure. but budget-wise, they don't want to go over $300,000. Mm. And so why would I send out a pre-qualification for $500,000 mm-hmm. if that's not even something they're considering? Right. Really, they want to stay below $300,000, so let's start talking about that instead. Right. It's going to be a waste of everybody's time if I just keep focusing on that $500,000. Right. So I think that's the first thing is just having your pre-qualification lined up because, mm-hmm. A, if it's the reverse of that, you are looking at $500,000 houses, but all you can afford is 300000 then if you go out and you've been spending all weekend looking at houses that you can't afford, then you've wasted a weekend of home <coughs> shopping. Sure. And that house that you do afford that does fit your needs may already be off the market by that point. So right. uh, you want to make sure that your pre-qualification letter is done you know what you can afford Mm -hmm. you've had those conversations about what is comfortable for you because it may be that the monthly payment is comfortable but the out-of-pocket is not right or the out-of-pocket is not and the but the monthly payment is comfortable so you've got to get that full picture of what you're talking about finance wise before you go and fall in love with the house absolutely just like with our mercedes-benz earlier Mm -hmm. if you go test drive a mercedes-benz suv and you fall in love with it Mm -hmm. but you can't afford it any other suv that you look at it's probably not going to be as nice, mm, and you're, you're not going to be satisfied. So, so you're saying the Ford Fusion won't feel exactly like the Mercedes-Benz SUV, correct? As a former Ford Fusion driver, sure, it's a great car. Yeah. Um, even though I think it's being discontinued. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, breaking news. Wow, um, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, but the um, – yeah, you're not going to find that it has as many features. It's not going to be as nice as right. that house that's – out of your price range. Sure. So you want to make sure that you know what your expectations are, what's doable before you even get in the car and drive to a house to look at it. Absolutely. You know, um, like when it comes to buying a house and just life in general, dating, all this stuff, it's important just to manage your expectations. Yeah. Not to set it too high, not to set it too low, just being aware of where you are, where you've been, and where you're trying to go. You know, um, I normally tell my buyers essentially like the first thing, like honestly, I feel that it's great to look at houses. It's great to kind of get a feel and get excited about the home buying process. But really, the first step really should be is getting pre-qualified and knowing where you are and where you stand. Because like to your point, if you're out here, uh, you know, looking at homes in Morrisville for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But then you're only pre-approved for homes that are three hundred thousand. Then you know it's it's you're gonna be it's gonna kind of deflate the balloon a little bit. It's fair to say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. 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 Now, um, let's talk about the market just a little bit before we go on, because um, I feel that you know the the Raleigh Durham market. Um, you know, people say that it's hot, right? It's a hot market. But, like, what, what does that really look like to you all? Right now, uh, there's multiple offers on, you know, just about every house. Absolutely. Um, you know, especially in that lower price range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to – houses don't stay on the market more than a week. Yep. A lot of times, in many cases, more than a day or two. Yeah. Um, so – when you find that house that you like, you, you have to already have that pre-approval letter in hand. Sure. Um, because, you know, that's the other thing is a lot of these sellers aren't even accepting offers if you don't have that pre-approval, pre-approval Absolutely. letter already. Sure. Um, so, yeah, um, and, and multiple offers. And, and don't be disappointed if you get rejected on that first house or two. Right. You know, um, as Noah was saying, there's there's more than one out there. Sure. Um, just keep looking, be patient, and, uh, and you'll find it eventually. Absolutely. I've got a couple that just went under contract yesterday. Hey. Uh, hey, congratulations. Oh. Mazel tov. Uh, so they are, they've been looking at houses since September, and you know, there was a lot of frustration there and a right. lot of, 
a lot of houses that they didn't get. Sure. But, you know, they kept trying, they kept trying, they kept trying, and, and you know, they wanted to own a house, and th their persistence has finally paid off, and they're going to get a beautiful house, mm. a beautiful ranch home down in Fuquay. Hey, the Quay big. City of Angels? The Quay City, yes, that's right. Yes. So they're going to be uh, moving into this new house in about a month, and it's I'm just excited for them because sure. you know, they, they stuck with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, like to uh, Kyle's point about like the like how as far as like what, what the, the available homes that are out there at a certain price point, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm actually going to probably post this on Facebook, maybe Instagram. We'll see uh, about as, as of late as of uh, the end of March inside the Beltline, which includes like downtown um, NC State area, you know, Western Boulevard. Um, the, as of March, there was only two homes, just two, just two, with under uh, $200,000, under two. And the average year built is 1965. So if you're looking for a new construction at a, bless you, at a certain price point, in that area, then if, if it's available, you should not wait one minute to put in that offer. I mean, maybe 30 seconds. What are your thoughts, Noah? <laughs> um, 45 maybe? Yeah, I mean, so you, you really need to be on the ball. I mean, because yeah. like Arthur said, I mean, these homes are flying off the shelves, and there's been multiple houses that I've heard about. People have scheduled showings that before they even can get to the house to see it, the house is off the market. So yeah. if there's a house that you really like, you really need to be ready. You have to have your pre-qualification ready to go. You've got to be ready to make a snap decision right. and move quickly on it because if that's the house that you want, you've got to move and sure. you've got to be aggressive in your offers too. Sure. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to try to low ball and then try to go 5000 5, under asking price because you're never going to find this a house in this market. That is not, absolutely. No. I, I, I think you really hit on something there. Now, could, could you um, elaborate on what a aggressive offer looks like in a market like this? Let's say I wanted to move to Western Boulevard. And, and, and I found the perfect house. Mm -hmm. um, like, like, what would an aggressive offer look like in your experience? Well, when you're working with a realtor, you're going to get a little bit of a sense as to what the house can go for. Mm -hmm. And hopefully your realtor will reach out to the uh, listing agent and say, hey, you know, are, is this a multiple offer situation? We just want to make sure that we have uh, an aggressive offer. Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, you really need to start looking at, okay, what is the maximum I'm willing to offer on this house? Mm -hmm. And what what is that going to look like in terms of a monthly payment? Am I going to be comfortable with that? Mm -hmm. um, is it 2000 over asking? Is it 5000 over asking? Mm -hmm. I've heard people doing ten dollars or $15,000 over asking oh, at certain price points. Sure. And I think another thing <coughs> that a lot of sellers are looking for is a aggressive due diligence mm -hmm. payment. Mm -hmm. um, so due diligence is basically a trial period during your your lead up to closing where you're supposed to get all your inspections, your appraisal done, get as far through the loan process as you can, mm -hmm. and you put a little money up front right. to say, hey, I'm willing to put this down while I'm doing these inspections, right. and if I decide to back out, Mr. Seller, Miss Seller, you get to keep that money. Mm. Um, so during that time frame, you're going to be doing a lot of work, but the more aggressive you are with the amount of money you're putting up for due diligence, mm -hmm. the more likely the seller is going to say, wow, these people are really serious. They're willing to put on the line mm -hmm. $3,000, dollars $5,000, that in they're due gonna, diligence. in due diligence mm -hmm. money that they're going to actually buy this house. Mm -hmm. And if they decide not to, then I get to keep that. Right. And so for a lot of people, having an aggressive due diligence is just as important as having an aggressive offer price. Mm, I, I think that's a, um, in words of DJ Khaled, that was a major key that, that, that Noah dropped on you all right there. Um, so yeah, so aggressive uh, due diligence if you want to be competitive in multiple offer situations for sure. Um, now for the people that don't mind uh, driving a little bit, um, I'm also look, uh, was looking at the numbers yesterday, and if you want a newer home, a newer home, and it's about 15, 20 minutes into downtown Raleigh, and you don't mind driving a little bit, Nightdown Window 
is a market that is is is, is really jumping in that regard. Um, homes between two hundred and three hundred thousand um, dollars have an average year built um, of two thousand and eleven. So, and there's a, right now or at that point anyway, there was hundred and four homes available at that point compared to what I mentioned a few minutes ago with two inside the Beltline uh, with an older home. So it just really depends on, again, what you're looking for. Do you want a fixer upper? Do you want a new, uh, a brand new construction, um, you know, lot size, all that different stuff. Uh, you should try to get a feel for on the front end. Um, so that is pretty much that when it comes to putting an offer. Now, um, once you're under contract, then there is a series of inspections mm -hmm. that happen. Um, so tell me, Noah, like, do you all require um, any type of inspection, depending on, I'm sure it depends on the program that they have, right? Yeah, it depends on the program. Uh, certain programs have a little bit different requirements, but by and large, the only thing that we are absolutely 100% going to require is if you're getting a mortgage, we have to have an appraisal done. Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing a VA loan, we do require a pest inspection. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just a VA requirement. Sure. But aside from that, we don't care if you get a radon test. We don't mm. care if you get a home inspection. Now, I would highly encourage you to do those things. Sure. Um, and there are certain things that may come up on the appraisal. Mm -hmm. If the appraiser says, hey, by the way, there's termite damage, mm. then we're going to say that you have to have a termite inspection done. Right. Um, but unless there's something on the appraisal that actually says, hey, this is needed or that's needed, right. you know, hey, the roof doesn't look great. Can you get a roofer to go out there and inspect the roof? Sure then in those situations, we don't really require anything above and beyond the appraisal. Got you. Now let's, let's, let's go back up just a little bit. We were talking about um, aggressive offers. Yeah. Right? Um, let's say the appraiser comes out. They take a look at it. They say the appraisal, this house appraises $9,000 less than what we see. Okay. What's, how would you advise a person in that particular scenario? So we'll throw some numbers out here. So you, you're buying the house for 250000 The appraiser comes out and says, nope, this home is only worth two forty-one. dollars uh -huh. So there's that $9,000 discrepancy. Sure. Unfortunately, from a lending standpoint, we have to go with the lower of the purchase price or the appraised value when we're looking at loan-to-value figures. Sure. So what we need to do is make up that $9,000 somewhere. Mm. If you're doing an extremely large down payment, let's say you're putting 30 40% down. Sure it probably doesn't matter. Gotcha. If you're putting a minimal down payment, it's really going to matter. Sure. Because we have to have a certain loan to value and a certain down payment amount mm. in the loan. Sure. And if the, let's say you're putting 5% down and all of a sudden the appraisal comes in low, now your loan to value is based on that 241, not that 250. Mm. So your 5% off of 250 is not going to be enough to cover the difference there. Sure. So there's two things that we can do. You either A, negotiate with the seller and have them bring the purchase price, the agreed upon sales price of the home down to that 241. Sure. Or you as the buyer bring that extra $9,000 to the table. Mm. You can do a combination of the two. If they're willing to meet you halfway, great. Um, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't come to terms though, Unfortunately, you know, the Yikes. loan's just not going to happen if you're doing a minimum down payment. Sure. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Got you. Sounds good. Now, Chris, um, when it comes to closing, right, we're, 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 we have a closing date. We, 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 um, what are some things that me as a buyer need to consider when we're trying to lock in and, 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 and um, close from your perspective? So there are a couple of things. Like if you're picking a date, mm -hmm. like when do you want to close? Um, that 
so there's this, this idea that exists that mm -hmm. closing at the end of the month is the best way to do it. Sure. Uh, that, that is a myth. It doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, so if you are looking at when you want to close and you are thinking in your head the end of the month is what matters, mm. it doesn't. So do what's best for you as the buyer. You know, maybe you got an apartment you're getting out of, mm. um, and so your your last day in the apartment is the 31st. Right. So maybe you want to close on like the 16th. So you got two weeks to get everything moved out and moved in, and you're not like really up against it. And some people they'll do it like their last day in the apartment is the 31st, and so they'll close on the 31st. Mm. You're setting yourself up for a really mm. stressful day when you mm -hmm. do that. Sure. Um, so but the other thing to keep in, in mind, keep in mind, is that when you close, the day that you close, your first payment is the first day two months from now. Okay. So if you close on May 15th, mm -hmm. your first payment's not June. Mm -hmm. Your first payment's July 1st. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried about having, you know, two payments one month, like, you know, you have an apartment, you know, your rent payment's on June 1st, uh, and you don't want to have a mortgage payment, we don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. Because you've got a month and a half at that point. Sure. So it's important to keep that in mind when picking your debt. Gotcha. Um, that give yourself enough time to get out of wherever you are, and don't worry about where it fits on the calendar, like end of month or whatever. Honestly, closing uh, in the middle of the month, or maybe even beginning of a month, is better just because so many people think the end of the month matters. Sure. And that is a much busier time in most law offices and lenders. You'll have a smoother transaction uh, closing at a different time of the month because you're not going to be competing with so many other people. Like mm -hmm. we, we, we do a lot of closings, uh, but I'll tell you that probably 30% of the closings we do are in the last three days of the month. Mm. Uh, so if you want to be amongst the other 70% of closings in the other 17 days of the month, because there's only 20 business days, mm -hmm. um, it's just going to be smoother for everybody. Sure. But as far as the actual day, once you're there, once you're getting to closings, all you have to do as a buyer is show up with a driver's license. Mm. And a check. Or oh, a and, wire. And, and your yeah. money. If you bring money. Yeah. Um, yeah, your money. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once you, once you get to the closing, once Noah has done his part mm -hmm. at home side, um, and you are clear to close and you're ready to be there, the closing day is the best day, and it is the easiest day of the entire transaction. Mm. You are going to walk in. I'm going to tell 26 minutes worth of dumb jokes. It's going to sign 46 things. Uh, and you're going to walk out home. Got you. Um, the, the actual closing day is easy and it's fun. I have the best job in real estate. Mm. Now, let me, let me ask you this, too, because this is a common question that, that, that I get from, from my clients. Um, realistically speaking, how much money, liquid money, do you think one has to have to be able to close? Well, so it depends. So if you are if you are buying a house, let's just say you're buying a house, two hundred thousand dollar house with five percent down payment. Mm -hmm. So that's that's ten thousand dollars right. that you have to have. Um, you have already outlaid earnest money and due diligence. Mm -hmm. That's coming off of that ten thousand dollars because that's prepaid. Right. So it just depends on what your earnest money and due diligence was. Mm -hmm. um, so if you'd already paid five thousand dollars of earnest money and due diligence, then you're already prepaid half of your down payment. Sure. Uh, the other fees that you're going to have is really loan dependent. Um, you know, if you have a conventional loan uh, with monthly PMI, mm -hmm. you're going to have just a lender origination fee, mm -hmm. typically around a thousand bucks. Right. Very lender lender. Uh, attorney's fee around a nine hundred to a thousand bucks. You're going to have you know flood certification seven dollars, mm -hmm. tax certification eighty five dollars, and appraisal five hundred dollars. Uh, title insurance that is very variable. There's no even sense of me putting a number on that. Sure. Homeowners insurance. Go to State Farm. It's less expensive. Hey. Um, Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. Um, <laughs> you have a lot of those things that are all a little bit variable and we can kind of estimate and your lender can estimate. Sure. But if you're in an FHA program, there's an upfront FHA premium. If you're in a VA program, there's an upfront VA premium. Mm. Um, and those are things to talk about to, with your lender when you are going through the process to decide how much money do we need. Gotcha. Um, like the attorney's fees fixed. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Right. Your, your lender's going to know that before you start the process. Sure. Um, but then there's going to be other stuff that you just don't know. Right. You just don't know. There's going to be a tax proration, which is a credit back, mm -hmm. which actually helps bring your number down. Sure. But then you also have to set up the escrow account, have to put money into that. Right. Which is, can, depending on the value of your house and the time of year you buy, can add anywhere from $800 to your closing cost. 
to six thousand dollars if you're buying an expensive house. In, sure. Say June. Sure. Um, and these are just when you are starting the process. Work with an experienced agent mm -hmm. uh, and your loan officer, and they will be able to tell you, "Here's what we expect." Mm. So Absolutely. All over the map, depending on the time of year, the value of your house. Got you. So I guess the the, the, the best answer for how much money do I need to close is that it depends. Always depends. Depends. And it can, again, very wild, like wildly. Sure. But, um, early on in the process, if we know the type of house you're looking for, when you want to buy, we generally narrow it down to a sort of narrow window. Sure. To give you an idea. Got you. Got you. Now, to, going back to the uh, homeowner's insurance, right? A common question that I get. And, and I've been yelling Chris, and I keep on forgetting Chris Thoreau and Chris Mann are sitting right beside each other, so I could see where there could be some confusion. Who is he talking to? Um, so uh, Chris Thoreau, um, State Farm, I have a question for you. So a common question that I get is, what is the difference between home warranties and homeowners insurance? Can, 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 can you break down what the difference is and, and as far as the coverage is and what protects you from what? Yeah, home warranties are going to generally, it's going to be your appliances, your, your AC. It just depends which way you go with mm. home warranty. Homeowner's insurance is going to protect you against catastrophic events sure. to leaking pipes. Mm -hmm. um, so homeowners is going to be your major event. Um, home warranty is going to be a little bit less. Got it. So, so, so you're probably looking at like with, with the home warranty, you're looking at HVAC, you're looking at dishwashers, you're looking at refrigerators, yeah. essentially. Right. And then with you, it's um, tornado, earthquake. Even though we don't have earthquakes that often here, uh, mm -hmm. I think we had one, what maybe five years ago. Yeah, yeah the, great, the great earthquake of uh, 2011, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in class and I did not know about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but, but I imagine that, that that's what homeowners insurance usually covers. Generally, um, earthquake's going to be a different endorsement. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify. Just to clarify. Yes, um, and I'll say 99% of people don't get a you know that endorsement, but it's there. Um, sure. Got you. Okay. Now, generally speaking, I, yeah, generally speaking, as far as what this looks like, how much coverage would you recommend for, for, for someone just starting out? Because again, we're, we're talking to first-time home buyers here. Um, what, 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 what are your thoughts there? We actually have a tool. Mm -hmm. It's called an estimated replacement cost tool. Okay. So we want to ensure you to replace Got you. To rebuild the house. Got you. Not the value of the house. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do is we'll get the address. We put everything in the the cost estimator. But sure. That's generally where we say coverage is going to start off at. Got you. Um, I always do recommend a little bit higher liability. Mm -hmm. if someone falls in your house, they sue you. Mm -hmm. Covered. And then water backup. Um, we really recommend that. Mm -hmm. Forty dollars a year. Uh -huh. Some people see our will come up a little bit higher sometimes because of that, but who wants to clean 20000 worth of sewer? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20000 worth of sewer, that's, that's, that's uh, pretty, pretty crazy there. Exactly. Pretty crazy there. Well, great. Well, I guess it looks like at this point, this buyer has gone from thinking about buying to having insurance and closing and all that good stuff there. Um, so thank you everybody for joining us. Well, this is the first time I've done a real estate podcast. It's kind of cool. Um, I look forward to doing more. Um, anybody want to plug anything? Got it? Got it? Got anything, Noah? Any plugs? Uh, listen, we've got some great first-time homebuyer programs. We've got programs that allow for you to get $8,000 towards your down payment and closing costs. We've got some grant programs that allow for, I think it's around five to $7,000 mm. for down payment and closing cost coverage. So um, 
just because you don't have a ton of money in the bank doesn't mean that home ownership is completely off the table for you. Sure. Um, it's great to have some saved up, but mm -hmm. um, we've got some programs that can help you out a little bit with some of that stuff. Gotcha. Sounds great. Chris Mann, got anything for us? And just work with the best agent. You know, work with good agents, and uh, they will help you. They'll guide you. With, they, they have vendors that they love. They work with Homeside. They work with me and Chris. Um, and uh, trust trust your vendors. Trust your agents. Uh, they, they work with good people. Uh, so if you're not sure, listen to what they're, they're advising you on. Absolutely. Chris Thoreau, got anything for us? Want to plug anything? Plug your thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, work with people you know. Yeah. I mean, the, the State Farm difference, if it's not me, another agent. Mm. We have a checkbook. Yep. If your house burns down and you're out on the street, I can write you a check that night, mm -hmm. 2 a.m. So. Okay. That's awesome. Great. Uh, it, it, oh, go ahead. Compliance. Noah Asbel, NMLS number 10361. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, you got anything? No, no. Like, like everybody said, just uh, good advice today. Good advice today. Absolutely. Well, shoot. Um, you can follow me, I guess I have a plug, um, on Instagram, Arthur Stewart, A-R-T-H-U-R-S-T-U-A-R-T, N-C. Um, the same applies for Twitter, too, I guess, if you want to follow me there. Follow my Facebook page. I'm on YouTube. I don't really promote it that much, but um, you should definitely go subscribe and like and comment and all that good stuff. That's what Google says. Thank you all for joining us. and. Um, subscribe. We'll have more to come. And um, that's all I got for you. Dream those dreams. And may not live those dreams. Because uh, life uh, without dreams is living in tech and color. And we live in a world with a color and surround sound. Blah. That's it. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. We just